Section four of the Fairy Queen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book one. The Legend of the Knight of Red Cross. Canto three. Forsaken truth long seeks her love and makes the lion mild mars blind devotions mart and falls in hand of lecher vild nought there under heaven's wild hollowness that moves more dear compassion of mind than beauty brought to unworthy wretchedness through envy's snare or fortune's freaks unkind i whether lately through her brightness blind or through allegiance and fast fealty which i do owe unto all womankind feel my heart pierced with so great agony when such i see that all for pity i could die and now it is in passion so deep for fair una's sake of whom i sing that my frail eyes these lines with tears do steep to think how she through guileful handling though true as touch though daughter of a king though fair as ever living white was fair thought nor in word nor deed ill-meriting is from her knight divorced in despair and her due loves derived to that vile witch's share. Yet she, most faithful lady, all this while, forsaken, woeful, solitary maid, far from all people's praise, as in exile, in wilderness and wasteful desert strayed, to seek her knight, who subtly betrayed through that late vision which the enchanter wrought, had her abandoned. She of naught afraid, through woods and wasteness, wired him daily sought, yet wish tidings none of him unto her brought. One day, nigh weary of the irksome way, from her unhasty beast she did alight, and on the grass her dainty limbs did lay in secret shadow, far from all men's sight. From her fair head her fillet she undight, and laid her stole aside. Her angel's face, as the great eye of heaven shined bright, and made a sunshine in the shady place, did never mortal eye behold such heavenly grace. It fortuned out of the thickest wood, a ramping lion rushed suddenly, hunting full greedy after salvage blood. Soon as the royal virgin he did spy, with gaping mouth at her ran greedily, to have at once devoured her tender course. But to the prey, when as he drew more nigh, his bloody rage assuaged with remorse, and with the sight amazed, forgot his furious force. Instead thereof he kissed her weary feet, and licked her lily hands with fawning tongue, as he her wronged innocence did weet, Oh, how can beauty maester the most strong, And simple truth subdue avenging wrong? Whose yielded pride and proud submission, Still dreading death, when she had marked long, Her heart gan melt in great compassion, And drizzling tears did shed for pure affection. The lion, lord of every beast in field, Quoth she, his princely puissance doth abate, And mighty proud to humble weak doth yield. Forgetful of the hungry rage, which late him pricked, in pity of my sad estate. But he, my lion, and my noble lord, how does he find in cruel heart to hate her that him loved, and ever most adored as the god of my life? Why hath he me abhorred? Redounding tears did choke the end of her plaint, which softly echoed from the neighbour wood, and sad to see her sorrowful constraint, the kingly beast upon her gazing stood, with pity calmed, down fell his angry mood, at last in close heart shutting up her pain, arose the virgin born of heavenly brood, and to her snowy palfrey got again, to seek her strayed champion, if she might attain. 
The lion would not leave her desolate, but with her went along, as a strong guard of her chaste person, and a faithful mate of her sad troubles and misfortunes hard. Still when she slept, he kept both watch and ward, and when she waked, he waited diligent, with humble service to her will prepared. From her fair eyes he took commandment, and ever by her looks conceived her intent. Long she thus travelled through deserts wide, by which she thought her wandering night should pass, yet never shoe of living white espied, till that at length she found the trodden grass, in which the tract of people's footing was, under the steep foot of a mountain hoar, the same she follows, till at last she has a damsel spied slow-footing her before, that on her shoulders sad a pot of water bore, to whom approaching she to her gan call, to weet if dwelling-place were nigh at hand. But the rude wench her answered not at all, she could not hear, nor speak, nor understand, till seeing by her side the lion stand, with sudden fear her pitcher down she threw, and fled away, for never in that land, face of fair lady she before did view, and that dread lion's look her cast in deadly hue. Full fast she fled, nor ever looked behind, as if her life upon the wager lay, and home she came, whereas her mother blind, sate in eternal night, nought could she say, but sudden catching hold did her dismay with quaking hands, and other signs of fear, who full of ghastly fright and cold affray, gan shut the door. By this arrived there Dame Una, weary dame, and entrance did require, which, when none yielded, her unruly page with his rude claws the wicked open rent, and let her in, whereof his cruel rage, nigh dead with fear and faint astonishment, she found them both in darksome corner pent, where that old woman day and night did pray upon her beads devoutly penitent, nine hundred paternosters every day, and thrice nine hundred aves she was wont to say, and to augment her painful penance more, thrice every week in ashes she did sit, and next her wrinkled skin rough sackcloth wore, and thrice three times did fast from any bit. But now for fear her beads she did forget, whose needless dread for to remove away. Fair Una framed words and countenance fit, which hardly doen at length she gan them pray, that in their cottage small that night she rest her may. The day is spent, and cometh drowsy night, when every creature shrouded is in sleep. Sad Una down her lays in weary plight, and at her feet the lion watch doth keep. Instead of rest, she does lament and weep for the late loss of her dear loved knight, and sighs and groans, and evermore does steep her tender breast in bitter tears all night. All night she thinks too long, and often looks for light. Now an Alderborn was mounted high above the shiny Cassiopeia's chair, and all in deadly sleep did drowned lie, one knocked at the door, and in would fare. He knocked fast, and often cursed and swear. That ready entrance was not at his core, for on his back a heavy load he bare, of knightly stealths and pillage several, which he had got abroad by purchase criminal. He was to wheat a stout and sturdy thief, wont to rob churches of their ornaments, and poor men's boxes of their due relief, which given was to them for good intents. The holy saints of their rich vestments he did disrobe, when all men careless slept, and spoiled the priests of their habiliments, whilst none the holy things in safety kept, then he by cunning slates in at the window crept. And all that he by right or wrong could find, unto this house he brought, 
and did bestow upon the daughter of this woman blind, Abessa, daughter of Corcera slow, with whom he whoredom used, that few did know, and fed her fat with feast of offerings, and plenty, which in all the land did grow, nor spared he to give her golden rings, and now he to her brought part of his stolen things. Thus long the door with rage and threats he bet, yet of those fearful women none durst rise, the lion frayed them, him in to let. He would no longer stay him to advise, but open breaks the door in furious wise, and entering is, when that disdainful beast, encountering fierce, him sudden doth surprise, and seizing cruel claws on trembling breast, under his lordly foot him proudly hath suppressed. Him booteth not resist, nor succour call, his bleeding heart is in the venger's hand, who straight him rent in thousand pieces small, and quite dismembered hath, the thirsty land drunk up his life, his course left on the strand, his fearful friends wear out the woeful night, nor dare to weep, nor seem to understand, the heavy hap which on them is a light, afraid, least to themselves the like mishappen might. Now, when broad day the world discovered has, up Una rose, up rose the lion eke, and on their former journey forward pass, in ways unknown, her wandering knight to seek. With pains far passing that long-wandering Greek, that for his love refused deity, such were the labours of this lady meek, still seeking him, that from her still did fly, then furthest from her hope, when most she weaned nigh. Soon as she parted thence, the fearful twain, that blind old woman and her daughter dear, came forth, and finding Kirkrapine there slain, for anguish great they gan to rend their hair, and beat their breasts, and naked flesh to tear, and when they both had wept and wailed their fill, then forth they ran like two amazed deer, half mad through malice, and revenging will to follow her, that was the causer of their ill, whom overtaking they gan loudly bray with hollow howling and lamenting cry, shamefully at her railing all the way, and her accusing of dishonesty, that was the flower of faith and chastity, and still amidst her railing she did pray, that plagues and mischiefs and long misery might fall on her, and follow all the way, and that in endless error she might ever stray. But when she saw her prayers naught prevailed, she back returned with some labour lost, and in the way, as she did weep and wail, a knight her met in mighty arms embossed. Yet knight was not for all his bragging boast, but subtle archimage that Una sought by trains into new troubles to have tossed. Of that old woman tidings he besought, if that of such a lady she could tell an aught. Therewith she gan her passion to renew, and cry and curse, and rail, and rend her hair, saying, that harlot she too lately knew, that caused her shed so many a bitter tear, and so forth told the story of her fear. Much seemed he to moan her hapless chance, and after for that lady did inquire, which being taught, he forward gan advance his fair enchanted steed, and eke his charmed lance. Ere long he came, where Una travelled slow, and that wild champion waiting her beside, whom seeing such, for dread he durst not show himself too nigh at hand, but turned wide unto an hill, from whence she him spied. By his like-seeming shield, her knight by name she weaned it was, and towards him gan ride. Approaching nigh, she wist it was the same, and with fair fearful humbleness towards him she came, and weeping said, 
Ah, my long-lacked lord, where have ye been thus long out of my sight? Much feared I to have been quite abhorred, or ought have done, that ye displeasen might, that should as death unto my dear heart light. For since mine eye your joyous sight did miss, my cheerful day is turned to cheerless night, and eke my night of death the shadow is. But welcome now my light, and shining lamp of bliss. He thereto meeting said, My dearest dame, far be it from your thought, and for my will, to think that knighthood I so much should shame as you to leave, that have me loved still, and chose in fairy court of mere good will, where noblest knights were to be found on earth. The earth shall sooner leave her kindly skill to bring forth fruit, and make eternal dearth, than I leave you, my leaf, he born of heavenly birth. And sooth to say, why I left you so long, was for to seek adventure in strange place, where Archimago said a felon strong to many knights did daily work disgrace. But night he now shall never more deface. Good cause of mine excuse, that mote ye please well to accept, and evermore embrace my faithful service, that by land and seas have vowed you to defend. Now then, your plaint appease. His lovely words her seemed due recompense of all her pathed pains. One loving hour for many years of sorrow can dispense. A dram of sweet is worth a pound of sour. She has forgot how many a woeful star for him she late endured. She speaks no more of past. True is, that true love hath no power to look and back. His eyes be fixed before. Before her stands her knight, for whom she toiled so sore. Much like as when the beaten mariner that long hath wandered in the ocean wide, off-soused in swelling Tethys' saltish tear, and long time having tend his tawny hide with blustering breath of heaven that none can bide, and scorching flames of fierce Orion's hound, soon as the port from far he has espied, his cheerful whistle merrily doth sound, and Nereus crowns with cups, his mates him pledged around. Such joy made Una, when her knight she found, and eke the enchanter joyous seemed no less than the glad merchant, that does view from ground his ship far come from watery wilderness. He hurls out vows, and Neptune oft doth bless. So forth they passed, and all the way they spent, discoursing of her dreadful late distress, in which he asked her what the lion meant, who told her all that fell in journey as she went. They had not ridden far, when they might see one pricking towards them with hasty heat, full strongly armed, and on a courser free, that through his fierceness foamed all with sweat, and the sharp iron did for anger eat, when his hot rider spurred his chauffed side. His look was stern, and seemed still to threat cruel revenge, which he in heart did hide, and on his shield San Roy in bloody lines was dyed. When night he drew unto this gentle pair, and saw the red cross which the knight did bear, he burnt in fire, and gan eftsoons prepare himself to battle with his couched spear. Loath was that other, and did faint through fear to taste the untried dint of deadly steel, but yet his lady did so well him cheer, that hope of new good hap he gan to feel, so bent his spear, and spurned his horse with iron heel. But that proud Paynim forward came so fierce and full of wrath, that with his sharp head-spear through vainly crossed shield he did quite pierce, and had his staggering steed not shrunk for fear, through shield and body eke he should him bear. Yet so great was the presence of his push, that from his saddle quite he did him bear. He tumbling rudely down to ground did rush, 
and from his gored wound a well of blood did gush. Dismounting lightly from his lofty steed, he to him leapt, in mind to reave his life, and proudly said, Lo, there the worthy meed of him that slew sans foy with bloody knife. Henceforth his ghost freed from repining strife, in peace may parson over Lethe lake, when morning altars purged with enemies' life, the black infernal furies donus slake. Life from sans foy thou took, sans loy shall from thee take. Therewith in haste his helmet gan unlace, till Una cried, O oh, hold that heavy hand, dear sir, whatever that thou be in place, enough is, that thy foe doth vanquished stand, now at thy mercy. Mercy notwithstand, for he is one the truest knight alive, though conquered now he lie on lowly land, and whilst him fortune favoured, fair did thrive in bloody field, therefore of life him not deprive. Her piteous words might not abate his rage, but, rudely rending up his helmet, would have slain him straight, but when he sees his age, and hoary head of Archimago old, his hasty hand he doth amazed hold, and half ashamed, wondered at the sight, for the old man well knew he, though untold, in charms and magic to have wondrous might, nor ever want in field, nor in round lists to fight, and said, Why, Archimago, luckless sire, what do I see? What hard mishap is this, that hath thee hither brought to taste mine ire? Or thine the fault, or mine the error is, instead of foe to wound my friend amiss? He answered naught, but in a trance still lay, and on those guileful dazed eyes of his the cloud of death did sit, which doing away, he left him lying so, nor would no longer stay. But to the virgin comes, who all this while amazed stands, herself so mocked to see by him, who has the guerdon of his guile, for so misfeigning her true knight to be, yet is she now in more perplexity. Left in the hand of that same pain bold, from whom her booteth not at all to fly, who by her cleanly garment catching hold, her from her palfrey plucked, her visage to behold. But her fierce servant, full of kingly awe and high disdain, when as his sovereign dame so rudely handled by her foe he saw, with gaping jaws full greedy at him came, and ramping on his shield, did wean the same have reft away with his sharp-rending claws. But he was stout, and lust did now inflame his courage more, that from his griping paws he hath his shield redeemed, and forth his sword he draws. Oh, then, too weak and feeble was the force of salvage beast, his puissance to withstand, for he was strong, and of so mighty course as ever wielded spear in warlike hand, and feats of arms did wisely understand. Eftsoons he pursed through his chauffeured chest, with thrilling point of deadly iron brand, and launched his lordly heart with death oppressed, he roared aloud, whilst life forsook his stubborn breast. Who now is left to keep the forlorn maid from raging spoil of lawless victor's will, her faithful guard removed, her hope dismayed, herself a yielded prey to save or spill, he now lord of the field, his pride to fill with foul reproaches and disdainful spite her wildly entertains, and will or nil, bears her away upon his courser light, her prayers naught prevail, his rage is more of might. And all the way, with great lamenting pain and piteous plaints she filleth his dull ears, that stony heart could riven have in twain, and all the way she wets with flowing tears, but he, enraged with rancour, nothing hears. Her servile beast yet would not leave her so, but follows her far off, 
nor aught he fears to be partaker of her wandering woe, more mild in beastly kind than that her beastly foe. End of Canto 3, Book 1, The Legend of the Knight of Red Cross.